Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. They say just as our bodies need nourishment to survive, our souls need to be nourished as well. But the question is, how often do we feed our souls? Welcome to Soul Food, a podcast about spiritual refinement. My name is Amjad Tarsin, and I invite you to embark with me on this journey inward to work on our souls. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to episode 9 of Soul Food, where we're going to talk about money. Uh, and before we get into t- today's topic, uh, I just want to say jazakumullah kul khair to everyone for all of the uh, very kind and generous feedback and du'as uh, we've been hearing from you all on Facebook and Twitter and otherwise. And it's really nice to know that by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that this podcast really seems to have touched people and uh, fulfilled kind of a need that was out there. People kind of looking for these kinds of topics and looking for something practical and looking for something in Ramadan. And although, alhamdulillah, there's a lot of great stuff out there, uh, it's really nice to, to hear from you all and, and know that, that inshallah, this is of benefit as well. Uh, so let's, let's get started. In this episode, we're going to look at the blameworthiness of loving money. Now, money is a sensitive topic. We talked yesterday about love of the world and loving money. The reason we're going to talk about loving money specifically is because it's one of the greatest uh, temptations that makes us fall in love with the world. And we'll also look at extravagance in seeking wealth. And we'll look at the ways that we can use money for good. And then we'll talk about contentment. Because really the heart of the matter in all of this, in love of the world and love of wealth and money, the issue is really contentment. So let's look at the blameworthiness of loving money. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تلهكم أموالكم ولا أولادكم عن ذكر الله O you who believe, do not let your wealth, do not let your money or your children distract you from remembering God. So in this verse, it's clear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that this can be and often is for a lot of people a distraction from the remembrance and worship of God. And whoever does so will be the ones who lose. Whoever lets their wealth and their worldly amassing, also having children is kind of this this form of honor and status and gaining things in the eyes of people. Whoever lets that get in the way of their remembrance of Allah, then they'll be the ones who lose. This is the greatest of the world's attractions. And even within the Muslim community, uh, I would say almost especially within the Muslim community today, if you look at like the Gulf regions, and we're not trying to call anyone out or point fingers, but you look at these oil-rich nations and you look at the Muslim community as a whole and there is this, uh, there is this extravagance. We're almost bred from a young age teaching us that somehow money is inherently good for us. We're being taught like money is inherently good for us. But how often are we seriously taught 
Like how often are we practically sat down and we're taught about the ethical and moral dimensions of dealing with money? How we see money as a means to an end and not as an end in and of itself. Let's be honest. Like I know in my, my experience, and I'm sure you've heard this, that having money is a goal. For what end? Doesn't really matter. <laughs> Just having it. Just have money, be wealthy, be rich. But it's not a goal that money is meant to be a means to something else. But, uh, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of education about what that end is, is supposed to be. And if you look at many parts of the Muslim world, and even, you know, in capitalist societies like the one we're in now in, in the West and so forth, uh, there is this obsession with malls and with designer brands and with all of these uh, expressions of wealth. I recently saw an article, uh, I can't remember the, the name of the, the author of the article, but basically saying that the new religion of the Middle East is consumerism, that we need to have Louis Vuitton bags and we need to have these, you know, really extravagant things. But for what purpose? Like, what does that add to you as a human being? What does that wealth or that product that you're getting give value to your soul? Nothing in and of itself. So it's really interesting to see kind of this development that's kind of going on in the world. Even seeking an education in today's world, the goal of seeking an education is to make money. Whereas education is meant to give human beings understandings and tools and reflection and the ability to perceive what is right and wrong and truth and introspection and so forth. But now education is really about producing people who can go into the workforce. Uh, you also see the love of money play out very tragically, I would say, in the way that the Muslim community deals with marriage that people have to have these weddings that are like legendary Bollywood weddings, uh, you know, that people have really extravagant and excessive dowries, these mahar, that when someone comes to get married, people want to express their status by saying that you need to give a very high sum of money as mahar, as a dowry, in order to marry my daughter. These are all things that are not really part and parcel of Islam, but are symptoms of love of money. So how do we use money for good? How do we use money for good? When we look at the example of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he's our example. If we really want to hold on to Islam and live it as a means of drawing closer to Allah, then we look at the Prophet Muhammad. What did he do? Every night, if he had any money in his house, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he would go out and find someone in need and give it to them. He wouldn't go to sleep until he found someone who was in need to give them that money. That was the way that he dealt with wealth. He wasn't attached to it. He didn't seek his honor and his status through it. And he wanted to use it as a means for other people and their benefit, and their well-being. So Imam al-Ghazali, 
rahimahullah, in his book, The Ihya Ulum al-Din, The Revival of the Religious Sciences, he says there's three general ways that you can use money for good. And everything else other than that is either excessive in what's permissible or even falling into something that would be forbidden and sinful. But these are the three ways that it can be used for good. He said the first way is using it for your own religious benefit. So using it for your own religious benefit. If you are planning on going on hajj, that takes up money. You need to save up some money. You need to prepare for that or to perform any other religious duty. If there's other duties that you have in your life that uh, have a religious benefit, using money to fulfill that duty is rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's one way to use it for good. The second way to use it for good is by giving it to others and using it in a way that's for charity, giving it in charity, using it for, uh, you know, to protect the honor of people, using it to take care of orphans or to give to people in need uh, so that you can preserve their dignity and they're not in a situation where they have to beg and they're in a situation where they feel humiliated because they don't have money. So using it in a way of protecting people's honor and taking care of them and being generous in doing so. Imam al-Ghazali said that's another way that you can use it for good. He said the third way you can use it for good is donating for the common folk uh, for their religious benefit, for the generality of people using it for their religious benefit, such as building mosques, schools for memorization of Qur'an, building hospitals because if people get sick they need treatment, and so on and so forth. Using it for something that benefits society, particularly when it comes to their religious benefit. Uh, and these things fall under what we, what we would call sadaqajariya, an ongoing charity. And these are the kinds of ways that you can spend money so that after you pass away, it, it, it remains in your benefit. It remains in your scale of good deeds. And everything that's kind of outside of these three ways that Imam al-Ghazali mentions is either excessiveness or potentially falling into the haram potentially falling into the haram and we don't have to get into the haram there's a lot of there's a lot that that comes to the mind that's very obvious such as greed or using people or using wealth to get things that are displeasing to Allah um, the excessive luxury while people in other parts of the world don't even have clean water to drink and so forth right but using it for those three things is good Outside of that is excessive. Now, the really important thing to understand in all of this is that money is a means to an end. It is not an end in and of itself. And that the believer is someone who has a heart that is full of contentment with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already given them. There's a beautiful hadith in which the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, he says, uh, يقول, that God, the glorious and majestic, says, That we brought down and gave provision and wealth so that it could be used as a means to establish prayer and to give zakat, the purifying charity. That if the son of Adam, the human being, had one valley full of gold, 
he would wish and love that he has two valleys full of gold. And if he had two valleys full of gold, he would love to have a third valley full of gold. That nothing will actually, the literal uh, definition or the literal translation rather, is that nothing will fill the mouth of the human being other than the dust of the grave. But what this actually means is that the human being, if they do not force themselves to be content and to reflect upon the blessings that they already have, that they'll never be satisfied until they're, they're dead in their grave and they're covered with dust. And Allah will forgive those who turn back to him. This is a hadith narrated by Imam Ahmed and Al-Bayhaqi. But what is beautiful about this hadith is that it teaches us that wealth is for religious benefit and, and the benefit of human beings. And that human beings, by their very nature, their nufus, this nafs of ours, it always wants more and more and more. But your job with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what is best for my and your religious benefit and well-being is to have contentment, is to know that Allah has given us good. And so much of this consumer culture that we're living in, and this advertising everywhere on billboards, the internet, TV, magazines, we're bombarded with advertising all the time. The whole point of that is to convince you that you need more stuff. You need more stuff, more, more, more. Your clothing isn't good enough. You need more. Your, you know, beauty products, toothpaste, hair products, all of these things, it's not good enough. You need more. Your shoes are not good enough. You need more. Your furniture is not good enough. You need more. And it's always this kind of constant agitation of never being content. But if we want to be really honest with ourselves, there is very little that we actually need to survive in this world. I'm not saying, and this is not what the Prophet and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling us to. It's not saying live in abject poverty. No, live a dignified existence, but recognize that you actually don't need a whole lot of stuff to be able to achieve that. And we also, part of contentment, having this heart that is pleased with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. And as the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, he said that, you know, contentment is a treasure that is everlasting. Contentment is a treasure that is everlasting. Being happy, being at peace is the greatest thing that you could give yourself. Being happy with what Allah has given you. And we need to know that everything, our provision, everything that we're ever going to have is guaranteed by God. And it's not going to increase or decrease beyond what He's given us. And there are people in the world who have everything. I actually, when I was living in Saudi Arabia, I knew people who were princes. They had everything, but they weren't happy. And then you see people in the world who have very little, but they have these glowing smiles and hearts that are full of content. So here's the call to action. The call to action is the way that you fight love of money is to be generous and giving, is to be generous and giving. The Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, he said, the generous person is close to God and close to people's hearts and is close to paradise and is far from the fire. 
the miserly person is distant from God, distant from people's hearts, distant from paradise, yet close to the fire. An ignorant person who is generous is more beloved to God than a knowledgeable person who is a miser. An ignorant person who is generous, despite the fact that Allah loves knowledge and encourages us to be people of knowledge, but an ignorant person who is generous is more beloved to God than a knowledgeable person who is miserly. So the call to action is tonight, when you go to the mosque, when you go to pray tarawih, uh, give something, give some money away. Give something to the masjid. Give something to the center that you're going to. Give some money away. Let go of it and give it in a way that would be pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that it's not taking hold of your heart. That's the action item for tonight. Uh, Insha'Allah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill our hearts with contentment and tranquility and happiness in what He has given us and fill our hearts with faith and certainty and love of Allah and His Messenger Jazakumullah kul khair once again for listening and inshallah we'll see you tomorrow. Please remember us in your du'as. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.